This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. A show that brings meaning and purpose to the fantasy season. It's our hope to help you win your league. But more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. This is the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast presented by MetaShare Together. We'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson with Harrison Zuckerberg, and we are your fantasy coaches here to encourage and help you win while also finding meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. We won't always be right, but we hope we'll be convincing. We are a part of the Unpacking It Podcast Network, and I'm coming to you from the Unpacking It Ministry studio in Charlotte, North Carolina. Today on the show, we will respond and react to the week one uh, preseason. Uh, we got to see a lot of young players out there, and so we'll give you some initial thoughts and, and anything that maybe is affecting our, our draft perspectives uh, heading into draft season. And yes, it is officially here because this Saturday is my first draft of 2022 and it's the the first league that I've I've actually not the first league, but the second league I I joined back in 2004 and we are still doing it. So this is year number 19 with my home league and I, I've won it a couple times. These are the rings in front of me in the studio that are from that league. These are my high school buddies and, and fire it up. Uh, 13 guys will, will be here in Charlotte this weekend and 13 of the 14. And so we are very, very excited. And part of the motivation to start Fantasy Football Fellowship actually comes out of that league because what I have experienced now for 19 years, the bonds that we continue to have within our league and the friendships that started in high school as, as you know, buddies sitting at the lunch table that then led to, hey, let's have a fantasy league. Hey, let's keep playing fantasy throughout college. Hey, let's keep playing fantasy when we're single in our 20s. Let's keep playing fantasy when we get married. Let's go to each other's weddings. And now we're having kids every year. So, so somebody's having a kid every year. Um, and so now we're, we're still playing fantasy as dads. So it's been uh, just a, a fun experience. And, and so out of that, I've realized, man, the fellowship that, that takes place, the connections that take place, and, and really the opportunity to go deeper uh, within a fantasy league is there. And so that's why we started Fantasy Football Fellowship to, to, to be able to say, all right, a league is like a small group. A league is a, a group of friends that can build you know, these, these types of relationships that can last a lifetime. And how about we grow in our faith as well? And so we encourage you to be a part of Fantasy Football Fellowship. Listen to this podcast, but then take your league to the next level. And you can become a member on FantasyFootballFellowship.com. We take you from right now, the preseason, all the way through championship week. And we give you 
a, a breakout topic of the week where we take a fantasy concept, parallel it to the Bible, and parallel it to our own lives and encourage you and your league throughout the season. And so all of that content uh, is, is a part of the membership. You can take this concept and bring it to your church, my church. We're running at least three leagues this year, so it's going to be awesome. Uh, we're going to meet on Monday nights to talk about the, the breakout topic. And so that's how this thing works uh, as, as we've set this up for individual leagues and then also churches. And then we also have our own Unpacking It leagues. Uh, and, and Fantasy Football Fellowship is, of course, a part of Unpacking It. And so if you want to be a part of, you know, really it's a listener league, uh, we've got multiple leagues for you to join. And so you can go to unpackingit.com slash fantasy. You can play against me and Harrison throughout the, the season, and we've got multiple leagues to compete in. And so check that out on unpackingit.com slash fantasy. All right, one more thing, and then we'll say hello to Harrison. We are brought to you by MetaShare. So thrilled to, to be partnered with them uh, once again this year. And, and so if you're looking for an affordable, reliable healthcare option that you can trust, check out MetaShare today. MetaShare.com slash it. MetaShare offers programs for every budget. Uh, my family, we've been members for six years or so. And, and so the, the best part uh, about MetaShare and, and the members, on average, we save 50% or more on healthcare costs. And, and so if you're looking to save money, check out MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. Uh, MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. Get a rate, uh, you know, get a quote, figure out if it's the right fit for you and your family. And, and encourage you to check it out, metashare.com slash unpacking it. All right, Harrison, here we are. It's draft season. The preseason is underway. We got the little teaser with the Hall of Fame game, but then we got a full weekend of action this past weekend. And I, I loved seeing a lot of the rookies for the, for the first time. Of course, as a Panthers fan, I got to see Baker Mayfield out there. But what jumped out to you? What, what are a couple of the, the big storylines that, that you took away? Now, we also know that it's just preseason. However, as fantasy owners, we're looking at all the information out there. We're, we're reading training camp reports. We're getting the updates from, from you know, multiple fantasy experts. Uh, but then we're watching preseason just to get a little glimpse of different things. So for you, Harrison, what, what jumped out? All right, you're right, Bryce. I am super excited that fantasy football is officially back. I have my first draft this Saturday as well. And I'm even more excited that regular football is back too. I watched way too many meaningless preseason <laughs> games. You know, once the starters come out and it gets to the third strings, it's just entertaining at that point to see who's going to make a big play, you know, who's going to catch the eye of the coaches. And I spent way too much time watching guys play that probably will not be on the roster two weeks from now. But you know what? It's football. It's back. And I'm here for all of it. Absolutely. I did watch some of the San Francisco Green Bay game. And, and Trey Lance, I think, is, is going to be interesting this year. And so I, I do have him in a, in a keeper league. And, and so I think I'm intrigued by, by what he's, he's going to do this year. And, and then from the, just looking across the, the, the league in week one, the one team I'm, I'm really confused, interested, intrigued by, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hmm. Because I think things could, could really click and and maybe Kenny Pickett, who sh who showed well in in Week One, uh, maybe he is the guy. Maybe he is the answer. And we know they have the weapons at wide receiver, but is George Pickens for real? How early do we have to draft him? Should we draft him 
earlier than, you know, just to make sure that we get them. Is Chase Claypool really, you know, kind of almost off draft boards at this point? Uh, and, and where does Deontay Johnson fit into things? And so to me, those three wide receivers, the talent is there. We've now seen it. Uh, we've seen three guys in Pittsburgh over the years contribute in fantasy, uh, but that's always been with Ben Roethlisberger. And so, and then last year, of course, was kind of a, a tough year for them. They, they relied on the run game with, with Najee Harris. And, and so he should be good again. He's worth drafting in the first round. But after that, what does it look like? So that was one kind of thing for me that I'm, I'm just, I don't think preseason has fully clarified that. It's almost made it more confusing. It's almost given me a little bit more hope with Kenny Pickett now. Uh, but what other, what other moments throughout the weekend uh, hit you a little bit? So one thing that I noticed was I watched the Kansas City Chiefs Chicago Bears game. And Juju Smith-Schuster played every single snap with the Chiefs starters. He did not come off the field when Patrick Mahomes was out there. And it looks like he's going to be the clear wide receiver one for the Chiefs. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling played alongside him in two wide receiver sets on all but just two snaps. So this really means that guys like McCole Hardman, who really only got on the field with the backups and when they were playing three wide receiver sets, and even Sky Moore, really aren't worth you know, a, a early draft pick in fantasy. Sky Moore, I would take a little bit later just because he's a rookie, but I don't think Hardman's worth a pick. And, you know, Juju seems to be the guy there in Kansas City. So I'm really excited for him. Probably going to take him a little bit earlier than he's been going right now in drafts. So I, I'm with you. We've been on the Juju train uh, for the last few weeks heading into, uh, you know, this time of year. And and just along those lines too, just looking at kind of ADP and 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 where you can get certain guys, I'm amazed there are still some number one weapons on teams that are going way late. And Juju's one of those guys. To me, Christian Kirk in Jacksonville, he should be the number one. He's paid like a number one wide receiver there. He hasn't necessarily shown a lot yet because he hasn't gotten out there in preseason. But, um, but to me, those two guys, I love the value because we've seen it in the past now on different teams, but now they get a chance to really shine and you don't have to overpay for them. Uh, I, re I really like that for sure. Um, all right. So the other thing that we're always intrigued by, you know, of course, are, are rookies and rookie running backs. And the star of, of the first preseason game was Damian Price in Houston. Now, a few weeks ago, I, I talked about I, I'm interested in Marlon Mack. I, I'm targeting him in drafts. Uh, he should be healthy. He, last time he played significantly, he was good in Indy, Indianapolis. And, and so I like him maybe starting the season. But it appears that Damian, Damian Price is going to be out there sooner than, than later. Um, and so he, he was unbelievable. Average like nine yards a, a carry. Um, and so I, I'm definitely willing to take him. And, and maybe I'll, I'll take him even instead of Marlon Mack. It just depends on kind of how, how my drafts go. But I think Houston is overlooked in general. People are writing them off. And, and we need to take a look at, at both these guys uh, for, for sure. Are you, are you buying, buying the hype from, uh, from Damien? A little bit. I am. Yeah. I I'm definitely buying the hype. He looked great. He looked explosive. Uh, even though Marlon Mack got the start for them, I think it's sooner rather than later, Damian Pierce takes over there and let me bring up three other rookie running backs. So I think there were some noticeable things in the preseason. The first one was James Cook. Now, Zach Moss started the game. James Cook did not start the game as the second running back on the field with Devin Singletary uh, sitting out, all the Bills starters sitting out. But 
he he got in in the red zone, which was something I did not expect being, you know, a smaller guy compared to Zach Moss. They took Zach Moss out and put James Cook in in the red zone, gave him two carries inside the 15-yard line, and then he was also lining up as a wide receiver sometimes and on third downs. So even if he's not the starter right away, I think the possible red zone work and receiving work could be really valuable for James Cook. Another guy who was disappointing was Rashad White for Tampa Bay. You know, a lot of people are in on Rashad White because they think Leonard Fournette's overweight, he's old, he's washed, and Rashad White's the new explosive, exciting rookie. But he was the third running back on the field for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Giovanni Bernard and Keyshawn Vaughn both got a combined 16 carries before he got a carry. You know, we know this with rookie running backs and Tom Brady. He just doesn't trust them. They're going to go on the veterans. I don't really think. Uh, Rashad White is worth a high draft pick in fantasy. He's more of a like last round flyer now, just because I don't think he is the guy up if Leonard Fournette were to get hurt. And then one more guy who surprised and is getting a lot of training camp hype is seventh round rookie Isaiah Pacheco for the Kansas City Chiefs. He was the second running back on the field after Clyde Edwards Hilaire for the Chiefs, not Ronald Jones. There's been some reports that Ronald Jones might even be cut in that Pacheco is the number two guy in this offense. You know, Clyde Edwards Lair has been untrustworthy in the past. And Pacheco ran a 4 3 40 yard dash of the combine. He's a super explosive player. We've seen guys like Kareem Hunt come into the Kansas City offense as rookies and be amazing. I would not be surprised if Pacheco did a similar thing with Clyde's inconsistencies. And I think he's definitely worth a late round flyer as well. And I would not even consider drafting Ronald Jones anymore. No, definitely not. I, to me, the value of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, though, could be pretty good. I'm willing to take him if he slips a, a, a round or two. Um, but, but yeah, we got to keep keep an eye on Pacheco for sure. Um, the, uh, the other team that's really kind of confusing or interesting in the backfield, the Miami Dolphins. And, and also, I, I would just say overall, like there's a lot of hype around the Dolphins. And so are we, like to me, Jalen Waddell, to, to, to overpay for him is risky to me because – is there is there going to be enough to go around with now Tyreek Hill there? So so that there's some questions there. But from a running back standpoint, I think we both like Chase Edmonds. So we like what he did in Arizona. We like him getting an opportunity. But we also know that Raheem Mostert's there. Sony Michelle is there. But but where do you kind of come out on this? And you know, Sony Michelle had a chance to be a guy in LA last year. Didn't live up to it. He leaves. So is he just now a journeyman? You know, New England moved on from him. Are, are you worried about this being too crowded of a backfield? Or are you, like me, confident in drafting Chase Edmonds? In the beginning, I was, but not anymore. Because Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert both sat out with the rest of the starters on, on the game this week. But Sonny Michelle played for the Dolphins. And that shows me that he is more just a depth piece for them in case there is an injury to one of those top two guys like he's kind of been for you know the last few years of his career. Just another running back on the roster in case someone gets injured. Um, I Out of those two guys, I'm a lot more into Chase Edmonds than I am Raheem Mostert, just because we like the upside with the passing game with Chase Edmonds. Raheem Mostert has never been healthy in his career. He's injured right now, so why should we expect him to be healthy to start the season or for a prolonged period during the season? You know, If Chase Edmonds becomes the guy there, I think that could be really valuable for fantasy, especially with a guy like Tua, who we know loves to check it down and not necessarily throw it deep downfield every time. That could be a lot of easy targets and receptions for Chase Edmonds. All right, two other things. Zach Wilson with the Jets getting injured. 
I was already very hesitant about the Jets. And I know that they have young, highly skilled, talented players. We talked about Brees Hall last week that, that we're intrigued by. Michael Carter's still there. Uh, but I'm, I, I think I'm going to avoid the Jets. I, I just, I can't, I can't feel confident in the Jets. And now with Zach Wilson getting off to a slow start, we're talking about Joe Flacco starting the season at quarterback. Uh, no, thank you. I, I, and then when I'm sitting on the draft clock and I see, you know, even a Jets player at the top of the, the, the rankings, I, I'm going to overlook them. I'm going to skip them. I'm just going to have to do it. So this sort of confirmed it with, with Zach Wilson, even though he's not going to be out a, a real long time, it doesn't seem like a young quarterback like that. I was already questionable. I, I'm out. Uh, the Denver Broncos. I will talk more about this when we talk about risky players. We're still trying to figure things out in Denver. I'm not sure we've got a ton of clarity yet. We're still juggling. Is it, is it Cortland Sutton? Is it Jerry Judy? Who do you take? When do you take either one? But here we did get some clarity. We don't want the tight end. We don't want the tight end in Denver. We don't know who the tight end is going to be necessarily, but we don't avoid that. There's all this hype for, uh, for Big O. Big O, the tight end. Nobody knows how to say his name. Okawaga Wubaba. Uh, I'm not drafting him. It doesn't seem like Denver's real bought into him. This happened over the years, too. We were all like, oh, Noah Fant, Noah Fant in Denver. He never truly lived up to the hype. We'll see if he does anything different in, in Seattle. Uh, but anyway, Albert O in Denver, uh, I'm out. So any final any final thoughts, and we'll talk risky players. So final thought for me from the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I know you were in the beginning of the offseason on Jamison Crowder as their slot-wide receiver. Now, the interesting thing here, despite him being the veteran, they rested all of their starters – Isaiah McKenzie was actually the third wide receiver with Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis that they decided to rest, showing that he is the starting slot wide receiver on that team. Jamison Crowder played and he did not look good. He had an easy drop that led to an interception. I don't think he's worth a pick in fantasy, but I am now very intrigued in Isaiah McKenzie. We saw him go crazy towards the end of the season last year for fantasy owners. And in the playoffs, I mean, he could have a real valuable role in the slot. Like we've seen guys like um, Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley do in the past. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I was, I, I James and Crowder has been great for me in the past when healthy. Uh, but at this point in his career, it just seems like he's lost a step and, and he's kind of, he's got out of the loop there. So uh, we'll have to cross him off the, off the list. Now, you know I've rode, ridden, rode the roller coaster with uh, with Devin Singletary, and you, you talked about Zach Moss. I'm definitely out on Zach Moss, but I still think the value of Singletary is there. I still think I'm I'm willing to draft him at the right price because I think he's going to start the year. There's a there's a trust factor there. Um, they're they're going to want to run the ball a little bit more this year than that with running backs because last year we kept calling for it, wondering about it. But if Buffalo wants to go deep in the playoffs, they've got to establish that that balanced rushing attack. And, and James Cook's going to be great. He's going to be part of it as well. So I think both those guys, Singletary and Cook, uh, will have some good value this year. And uh, but don't don't forget about Singletary. That's I, I, as much as I want to because he he cost me dearly years ago. I still got to put him back in the mix. All right, so there you go. There's some preseason reactions, and and we'll do that a little bit, you know, over the next couple of weeks as as we get hopefully more and more clarity. Um, from, you know, it's kind of the second tier guys that, you know, we're talking about names deep in, in, in drafts. We, we know about the top players, right? For the most part, we we've talked about them in the off season. Preseason is not going to change, you know, much other than injuries. That's, that's about the only thing in that regard, but it's that third wide receiver. It's that, that backup running back. It's, 
are rookies ready to get out there and and play? Um, that's that's what we're looking for in the preseason. All right, so we're gonna transition uh, a little bit, and and we're gonna uh, as we do each week, we'll, we'll do our breakout. And and so what we do here at Fantasy Football Fellowship is we take fantasy concepts, relate them to the Bible, relate them to our own lives. And these are designed for your league to discuss the topics uh, during league meetings. But here on the show, uh, I'm going to share this week's topic. And one of the biggest kind of things that we have to, to wrestle with and grasp as fantasy managers is risk taking. When do we take risks? Are we willing to take risks during the draft? And how do we approach risky players? Now, for the most part, these are guys coming back from injuries that are risky. These are players that have question marks at quarterback, uh, question marks maybe at, at coaching. We're kind of wondering what's going on. Maybe it's a new regime. Maybe it's a you know kind of a defensive-minded coach that, that uh, is the offense up to speed enough. So there, there are a lot of factors that go into making certain fantasy players risky. Uh, I would say rookies in general are very risky. Uh, I, I, for the most part, and we'll talk about draft strategies coming up as well. I, I avoid a lot of ri- uh, rookies and risks. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to draft a rookie running back in the first round. I, I, I'm just not, I'm not willing to, to take that risk. Um, in general, rookie tight ends aren't great. Kyle Pitts finally popped late in the year, but it was almost a little too late. Um, for, for him to have a major impact on the fantasy season. Now, this year, he's going to be awesome. He's great. Atlanta's maybe not a great team, but he's going to be their number one option, and he's going to get plenty of volume, and, and play, we've seen the talent. He, he's great. But as, as a rookie, risky. Now, we've seen now Najee Harris was great last year as a rookie running back, so there are cir- circumstances where it, it pays off. But all of us have to determine, okay, when am I going to pick my spots to be risky throughout the draft okay maybe i'll take a risk on sort of a boomer bust wide receiver in the eighth round or maybe i'll take a risk on you know a a quarterback like trevor lawrence who struggled last year but now with a new head coach and doug peterson who was a quarterback trevor lawrence to me is absolutely worth the risk and and we're going to talk about some some more individual players in a little bit but but some guys risky that are risky this year. You got Cam Akers. You got uh, James Robinson coming back from injuries. J.K. Dobbins. Michael Thomas. I mean, what do we do with Michael Thomas? I still see him way late in, in drafts. Um, and so all of these guys have a certain level of risk. Now, for me, I'm more of a conservative fantasy drafter. I, I don't love to take a ton of risks. I want guys that that I feel like have a clear path to production guys that have I've seen with my eyes produce well that that I see the talent uh, I'm not willing to take the risk on players that I just haven't seen them do it um, and so that's part of with the with the rookies or or guys stepping into maybe a new role um, I'm just very hesitant now in our own lives we also have to determine and, and wrestle with when we're going to take risks and when not to take risks, and and from a spiritual standpoint, if we follow Jesus, I believe there are going to be many circumstances that require us to take steps of faith, which some would consider risk-taking. 
And the key to this is wisdom that is rooted in God's word, wisdom and discernment that comes from knowing God personally and intimately and being led and guided by the Holy Spirit in a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis, that, that we are surrendered to God and, and we're open to his direction, where he wants to take us. And, and when that is our position, and, and that's where you know, we're, we're looking to him, say, all right, what's next? When he says, go, take a step of faith, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, wait, I, okay, I'm, I'm getting the sense, this, is, this seems that God is pointing me in this direction to leave my job, to move, to sell my house, to uh, go talk to this person at work. To, to, to reconcile with somebody, um, to share my faith with somebody. And, and all of these things require a step of faith, and it's a risk. Oh, what are they going to say? Or, or, oh, no, what if, what if this happens? And we play all the, the what-if games. But sometimes when we're sitting on the clock in, in, during our fantasy draft, we got to pull the trigger and take the risk and go for it. And, and we, we know that, no, this one, it, it's worth it. The timing's right. This guy's worth it. Let's go. And there are times as followers of Jesus when, when God says, go, go, take the step of faith, and, and we can trust and, and have the confidence and the boldness in, in our faith that's rooted in him, that's rooted in this tight relationship. That it's, it, We've got a deep faith, not a superficial faith. A deep faith allows us to take those, quote unquote, risks that maybe on the outside, uh, you know, people are thinking, wait, what, what is he doing? And, and listen, I, I've done it a lot in my life, and, and I'm thankful that God has been with me through the steps of faith. When I walked away from a radio show and everybody thought I was crazy to, to now, gosh, that was 2011, so 11, 11 years later, uh, to be able to, 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 to have Fantasy Football Fellowship, to have the Unpacking It podcast, I didn't see all this. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew God was calling me out of the show that I was doing, the path that I was on. He had a different path for me, and I was willing to, to take that step of faith, and people were you know, wondering and questioning, but I, I knew in my heart of hearts that, that that was the direction God was, was leading me and ultimately starting unpacking it and, and all that sort of thing. So um, it's in these moments in life, sometimes big steps of faith and, and even sometimes just those little risks of, of saying hello to somebody or <laughs> sharing our faith with somebody. Um, and so here are some verses to give us the confidence that we, that we need and, and the faith that we need to, to take some of these wise, faith-filled risks. Second um, uh, Corinthians 3.12 reminds us, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. And also Second uh, Corinthians 5.7, for we live by faith, not by sight. First Corinthians 2.5 so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So the power within us, the power that God, he lives within us, allows us to, to take these steps of faith with confidence and, and boldness. Um, again, we don't do foolish things. We don't do reckless things. We don't draft guys that are clearly always injured or that are clearly you know, not going to be a part of the offense. No, we, we, we have wisdom. And so we don't do things in life just to take risk. Oh, I'm a risk taker, man. I'm wild. I'm crazy. Yeah. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
now we're being foolish. We're being silly. Oh, I'm just a risk taker, man. I love jumping off of cliffs into three foot water. It's so fun. Well, no, come on. Let's be, let's be, uh, be realistic here. Um, but we, we want to also not be filled with fear. We got too many people that claim to follow Jesus that are living in fear and not stepping out of our comfort zone. And so we got to be willing, bold, confident. All right, God, what do you have for me? Oh, you want me to? Okay. Through prayerful consideration, through you know, wise counsel, we take the risk. We take the step of faith. We go for it. Um, and so we, we continue to trust in, in our almighty God who loves us so much. And so uh, one last verse in Hebrews 13, 21. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him, all glory to him forever and ever. So if God's asking us to do something, he's going to equip us to do it. He's going to give us the power that we need, the, the, the resources that we need to go for it. Um, and, and so we, will we trust him or are we going to be fearful? Will we trust him as we take steps of faith? And, and if it's his will, hey, he's going he's gonna to make it happen. And uh, he's going to give us the power that we need. So there you go. That's this week's breakout topic. Are you willing to take the risk? And let's look at the fantasy side of this uh, a little bit more. And, and we'll bring Harrison back. And as we think about, you know, players, are we willing to take a risk on certain guys? Give me, give me two guys that are risky that you're still going after, that you're willing to take the risk uh, this fantasy season. So the first guy to me is probably the riskiest player in fantasy, but also the most exciting. And that is Javante Williams on the Denver Broncos. I think he has the RB one overall upside. If he takes over this backfield for Melvin Gordon, but if Gordon stays as involved as he was last season, and is a true 50 50 split, he may not even finish as a top 10 running back. We know this Denver offense is going to be explosive. Can he become the guy and be the number one overall running back? Or is he just going to be another average player like he was last year? We know he has the talent, but is the opportunity there for him with carries and receptions? And he's really risky because he's going in the second round currently. So if you're getting a guy in the second round that could possibly be the best fantasy player this season, but also an average player, and then you have to build up the rest of your roster if he ends up busting. I mean, that is super risky, but it is worth the reward for me. I'm you play, you. You play to win your fantasy league. And if you got the number one guy, you are winning your fantasy league. Javante is worth it. I, I agree. All right, give me another guy. So another guy that I'm willing to take the risk on this year is Michael Thomas. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, of weird stuff where is he back from the injury? Is Jameis going to be consistent? But he's currently going in like the wide receiver 30 range right now. And if he is the same Michael Thomas, even though they added Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry, He's going to be dominant. He's going to be a for sure top 20 guy in the offense. Jameis has had huge fantasy seasons for guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in the past. He can support two wide receivers. So he is a steal if he actually is healthy. And, you know, if you take a two-year break from football like he did, you should be healthy at this point. He's looking fine in training camp. You know, is he an absolutely explosive athlete? No, but that's not his game. He's a short guy. He's a volume guy. And I think he'll still get that this season. And he's a steal where he's being drafted. So the guy for me that I'm willing to take the risk is Travis Etienne. I think the the talent's there. The connection with him and Trevor Lawrence is there. The tough thing for me is I really like James Robinson. And I drafted him when he, when he was, or actually, no, I picked him up as a free agent that, that year that he burst out two years ago. And so there's, I've got a soft spot for him, 
but I think ETN's got the, the the higher ceiling, the more potential, and and I think you know to make up for last year, I think he's hungry, he's ready to go. James Robinson still coming off uh, the Achilles injury, so there's some hesitation there. So uh, I'm in on ETN, and gosh, second round is a little costly for me, but I, I'm almost willing to take that that risk there. Um, and then the other one for me, Christian McCaffrey, absolutely worth worth the risk to draft him one, to draft him two. It's worth it. We've already seen it. We know what he's capable of. Yes, there's an injury risk, but it seems like he's made some changes to kind of his, how he takes care of his body in the offseason. Uh, I think he's going to be ready to go. So I- I'm willing to take those risks. Uh, what about DK Metcalf? He did get the big contract. He stayed in Seattle. Russell Wilson's gone. Are you willing to take the risk and, and, and draft DK Metcalf? I am not willing to take the risk on DK Metcalf. And this is a player where, you know, He's so talented. He's just an unbelievable athlete. But I don't know at what point he falls to me in a draft that I would really want to take him because he was super inconsistent last year when it was Russ and Geno. Now we don't know if it's going to be Geno Smith or Drew Locke as his quarterback. And, you know, maybe his talent can win out and he can have these incredible games. But I don't think the offense is going to be good enough for him to be consistently a top wide receiver. And that's just, you know... I really don't want to invest in wide receivers on bad offenses where I don't trust the quarterback. And another guy who I'm not willing to take the risk on is Derrick Henry. You know, he is still going at the top of drafts right now. And when he plays just like Christian McCaffrey, he is an unbelievable fantasy player. He will win you week after week after week. But the foot injury does concern me because even though, you know, from the feet up, he is 250 pounds of just muscle and an unbelievable mass of a human being. Everyone's got the same feet. There's not a lot of feet bone workouts that you can do to strengthen yourself there. So if, you know, if his whole, his whole body is not supported by a strong base, that's kind of worrying me for future injuries. Yes. Uh, and the Titans offense overall, you know, I'm not a huge believer in them this season. I don't think they have the weapons they did in the past. So I don't know if the red zone opportunity is going to be as prevalent for Henry as it was in the past. So the Tennessee Titans are one of those teams that I am crossing off my draft board. However, I'm intrigued by Austin Hooper. So that's just a side, a side note, tight end. Remember, he was awesome in Atlanta. And then he went to Cleveland, got the big contract, and it did not work out. It was not a good fit for him. What if he becomes kind of that that number one threat? I mean, you know, even bad teams, I, I think the Titans are going to be bad this year. They're, they're going to be, especially compared to last year, they're going to take a step back. But somebody's got to catch some balls there, and I think it's going to be Austin Hooper. So that's, that's, a, that's a freebie for you. Um, all right, other risks. To me, the backfield in L.A. is extremely risky right now. And now with Matthew Stafford banged up, I, there's some risk in in LA especially with Cooper Cup going as a top three guy in drafts I think he's still awesome but there's still some risk in in LA I I, like I've said I I like Allen Robinson especially where he's going kind of as a a wide receiver three uh on fantasy teams I'm 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 still comfortable with that but Cam Akers in the second round I I can't take that risk Daryl Henderson no way I'm not drafting him so now they got injuries I'm out on those two guys um, and then how about Antonio Gibson? Things seem to, to be heading south for Antonio Gibson. Are you willing to take the risk on him? Unfortunately, I am not. Antonio Gibson has been my guy the last two years in fantasy football. I drafted him when he was a rookie and he was, he was amazing. He's been a top 15 running back his first two years, but fumbles have been an issue. 
And now they draft Brian Robinson in the third round, who we know might take some goal line work, some carries. He already gets subbed out on third downs for J.D. McKissick to come in. So it looks like it's going to be a true committee there. And we saw in the preseason game this weekend, Antonio Gibson fumbled and was immediately pulled for Brian Robinson and did not come back in the game. Now it was preseason, so maybe that was the plan to take him out anyways, but it seemed a little bit too convenient. He fumbled and was immediately pulled and they put in Brian Robinson. That would be really concerning for me during the season if a guy with fumbling issues in the past is you know, going to be pulled anytime he fumbles and isn't going to get receiving work and goal line work anyways. I don't really know what the upside is for Antonio Gibson and there's really a chance that he's just not a part of the offense by the end of the year if Brian Robinson is a trust, more trustworthy guy and if McKissick continues to take all of the passing work. Absolutely. I, Washington is probably another one of those teams I'm going to avoid for the most part. Um, I, I, I like McKissick, though. I'll probably, I probably If I would I'd take him at the right price. Um, all right, last thing, the New England Patriots, they seem very risky across the board. Like what they're doing with their offensive coordinators – I, yikes. I mean, Matt Patricia, Joe seeing Judge, Matt Patricia uh, and Joe judge standing next uh, to each other, calling plays was uh, the most disgusting thing I've ever seen on a football awful. field. That includes the butt fumble ever. Like uh, that was just terrible to witness. It's cringeworthy. It's just, I, I just, I, I think there's probably a time, like a time in the draft. Cause everybody probably feels the same way. So every, we're all going into the draft thinking there's no way I'm taking any Patriots players. Because it's too confusing. Like, Mac Jones is frustrated. Like, he looked good last year, but now this year we don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm a big Hunter Henry guy. I'm a big Damian Harris guy. I, but I just can't. I, there's just no confidence there. So, uh, very risky. It, it would have to be, you know, way deep to at some point where I go, well, I mean, Damian Harris in the sixth round, seventh round, sure. But, but I, 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 yeah, I can't confidently take him or, or even Stevenson. I, mean, I think Stevenson, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of potential there. He's apparently blocking better, which should keep him out on the field more. Um, so there's like a risk in drafting Harris because Stevenson might just take over and be more of that, that back. But then at the same time, we've seen the Patriots use three running backs in the past. But last year, they, they relied pretty good on Harris. Harrison, Harris got plenty of, of goal line carries and touchdowns and all that. But now Josh McDaniels is gone. So how much of that philosophy was his in, in New England? Uh, the multiple quarter, the, the multiple committee, uh, which he's now kind of bringing to uh, Las Vegas, which makes those running backs in Vegas very uh, risky as well. So anyway, every player has a certain level of risk, but we as fantasy managers have to you know, really feel at peace, be confident in, in the guys that we're, we're taking. And when there is some of that hesitation, or that hesitation kind of you know weighs out, those are the times where we got to kind of pull back and say, nah, too risky. And then for some of those guys, you know, the Travis ETNs, it's risky, but man, I feel good about them. Let's go. Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, it's go time in Jacksonville. So there you go. All right, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the show today sharing some more of our, our draft strategies, tips, philosophies. Uh, both of us, like we mentioned, are heading into our first draft of the season this year and i've been listening to a lot of uh, fantasy podcasts and radio uh, i listen to fantasy station on sirius xm and one of the draft strategies that gets talked about and debated a lot so we'll do that here today as well is drafting your running backs handcuff and you know what's fascinating in in fantasy football or, or even just kind of exciting for me is i always want to get the running back that 
is a backup that ends up becoming the starter and has a huge season and can win you a league. You know, the guy out of nowhere, like Eli Mitchell last year, James Robinson the, the year before. Uh, Alexander Madison has always been, you know, a great handcuff uh, in, in Minnesota and, and is still. Um, and so it's always good to have backup running backs that pop. The question becomes, if you draft Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, you know, the top running backs in the first round, at what point do you target their backup or do you target their backup at all? Now, we've talked about McCaffrey and Henry and, you know, the injuries that they dealt with last year. Alvin Kamara is another risky running back that yeah, maybe you take in the second round this year. Um, it looks like he's going to play, but we'll see. But, but anyway, do you, do you target those guys or do you say, forget it? I'm all in on McCaffrey. I don't want to worry about Chuba Hubbard. I'm going to go grab someone else's handcuff. And, and so I listened to two different takes on this, and I was almost convinced because one guy was saying, he goes, if you draft other people's handcuffs, that means you're hoping for someone else to get injured. And you're, you're counting on the, the, the what if of, oh, man, if that guy goes down, I'm going to have his backup and I'm going to be good to go. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, that's, that's interesting. But then as I listened to, I think it was the, the fantasy footballers, and they were right on because the idea that they, so I, and this is the philosophy that I've had for a long time. I don't want my backup running back because then if I lose McCaffrey and whoop de doo I have Chuba Hubbard, at the very best, I'm at neutral. So he slides in and he does, but the chances are that he's, he's not going to be as good as McCaffrey. So no matter what, I'm going to downgrade. So what is the value of having Chuba Hubbard on my bench when I could have another running back? Even though there's a, there's, a, there's a risk, there's a chance, or there's a hope there that someone else gets injured, and that's the only chance that this backup running back is going to have an opportunity. But I want to give myself more opportunities. I don't want to be left at neutral. So that's the philosophy that I buy into, I continue to buy into. I thought maybe I'd be swayed. Uh-uh. No handcuff for me. I'm going to be drafting. I've got the second pick overall. So I'm either going to have Jonathan Taylor or McCaffrey, and I will not have their handcuff. I will have some other handcuff, and I will load up with backup running backs that I hope will also be starters so that at some point in the season, I'm sitting with five starters. That's like that's what I want. I want five starting running backs on my team, and I'm going to pick two to start every week, three with a flex. So sorry, Harrison. I went, I went long on that. I'm passionate about handcuffing. I completely agree. I do not want to draft the handcuff for a running back that I already have on my team because then you're hoping that the guy that you drafted in the first or second round gets injured. And who would want that? You have someone on your roster that's completely useless, just taking up a roster space. If the worst thing that could possibly happen to you in fantasy happens and your first round or second round pick gets injured, so you're almost hoping to get bad luck. I just don't understand the philosophy of, of doing that. Um, now the one, the one area where backup running backs and, and, you know, finding handcuffs later does come into effect is in this new strategy that a lot of people are calling the zero RB strategy, where you don't take any starting running backs pretty much till the later rounds of your draft. And you just grab a lot of backup running backs. So I have some thoughts about it, Bryce, but first, what are your thoughts on the zero RB strategy? Yeah. So I, my goal for most of my fantasy playing career has been to start the draft with two top running backs that I have my, my RB one, my RB two taken care of that. That's, that's usually, I will say within the first three picks. So I, I go heavy on running backs and then through the middle rounds, 
I'm loading up on running backs. I want depth at running back, but like I said, I want running backs on other teams. So, so I want, I, I want to have a variety of guys to where, yeah, I'm not dependent on one backfield. I want, I want multiple backfields and, and take some shots at different guys. So I'll throw in a rookie there. I'll throw in maybe a veteran, give me a PPR guy. So I want some of those guys later, but I want to start with top, top running backs initially. So I do not buy into the zero RB strategy where people punt running backs for the first few rounds. No, thank you. I want an elite guy regardless of where I'm drafting too. Even if I'm late, you know, late in the first round, I still have to make sure that I'm getting one of the starting running backs, uh, you know, a top RB, you know, 12 to 14. I'm in a 14 team league, but I better have a, a guy that is a clear RB one on my roster. Now for me, I'm not a, a fan necessarily of zero RB, but I don't hate it either. But I feel a lot of people do not understand why it started or, or what it is. Now, the zero RB strategy started because you want to get value at wide receiver because so many running backs go early in drafts. The, the idea was formulated off of getting four top 15 wide receivers. And because you have those elite guys, it makes up for your lack of running back death. But, you know, if the wide receivers aren't there that you want to take, do not go zero RB and just take wide receivers to have average wide receiver. That's not the point of the strategy. If you're in the end of the first round and Cooper Cup and uh, Justin Jefferson are already gone, you know, don't take Mike Williams over Christian McCaffrey just because you want to go zero RB. That's that's not going to be a winning strategy for you. Or in the second round, you know, don't take um, Tyreek Hill over someone like DeAndre Swift or a great running back. You want to have wide receivers that are exceptionally better than the running backs who are available. So if the board just falls that the running backs are the best positions on the board, that's how you should take. You should be drafting whoever is the most valuable player in fantasy, not, you know, oh, I'm only going to take wide receivers or I'm going to, I have to take a tight end in the first round or the second round. You know, if Travis Kelsey's gone, why would you be taking, you know, TJ Hawkinson in the first round or something? You draft who the best available player is, which in my opinion is running backs because they score the most points and they're the most scarce in the beginning of drafts. I think you can find wide receivers later. You can't really find star workhorse running backs later in drafts. Absolutely. And like I said, it's always fun to find the Eli Mitchell, the James Robinson, but it's really hard. It's, it's, you know, those, those one in a million type of guys, maybe one a season, we'll say. That's why you've got to get the reliable guys that you can count on at running back, and you've got to get them early. And, and so, you know, this year, I'd say there's probably only eight reliable, maybe nine reliable running backs. Um, and so, yeah, you're, you're going to get a little, it's going to get a little hairy after that. But think about if you skip completely. I mean, then you're just taking so many dart throws, and you can just be in a lot of trouble. And, and to me, it's not worth the risk. You're, 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 you're just hoping too much. Now, of course, when you draft Derrick Henry, you're hoping he's going to be healthy. And you, you draft McCaffrey, you're hoping he's going to be healthy. But to me, I'll bank on that versus, ooh, I think the, thir- you know, the, the backup guy in the committee with the, the Las Vegas Raiders is going to pop this year. I, and then you got to take him in the eighth round. And you're starting the season, and he's your RB2. I mean, come on. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in Amir Abdullah this year, but not, not as my RB2. He's going to be my sixth running back that I take a flyer on just to add some, add some depth. And if, yeah, sure, Abdullah becomes a PPR monster, great. Then that's an added bonus for me, and I can play him in a flex spot. But I, 
this idea that, yeah, I'm going zero RB and I'm loading up on receivers. Hey, listen, there are so many wide receivers. You can get Alan Lazard, a start, the number one receiver in Green Bay with the MVP quarterback. You can get him late in your draft. You don't have to load up on all the receivers early in the draft. You just don't have to do it. Christian Kirk is going way late. Uh, I mean, there's so many guys that are just so overlooked, and and the depth is unbelievable. So you can wait on receivers. You can't do it with running backs. You just can't. They're not gonna. They're not there. So there you go. All right. Well, we'll end it there. Um, we've got more draft strategies that we'll talk about in the coming weeks. Um, but we had so many guys to talk about today with the risk taking. Right. This was the theme today. All about taking risks. So in life and fantasy, let's be wise. Let's pick our spots. Let's you know feel at peace and and know with confidence. All right, this is a this is a, a worthwhile risk. Uh, the right timing and and the 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 right nudge uh, is there. And so uh, so from a life faith perspective, it's having that deep faith and that relationship with Jesus to, to lead and guide us moment by moment. And then when the big things, the big leaps of faith are, are in front of us, we know, hey, I've got the power, I've got the strength that, that God's with me. To, uh, to take this step of faith. So, Harrison, great job. Appreciate you and all your uh, your efforts today on the show. Great insight. Uh, he always gives me great insight, so hopefully you as a listener feel the same way. Uh, again, we'd love for you to join one of our fantasy leagues, our listener league. Go to unpackingit.com slash fantasy. Unpackingit.com slash fantasy. And if you want to use Fantasy Football Fellowship for your league, for your church, Go to fantasyfootballfellowship.com. Check it out today. For Harrison, I'm Bryce. I'm a fantasy owner, have been since 2004, and I'm also a follower of Jesus. I've been I've been a, a Christian since I was a, a little kid, six years old. Uh, but I've been following Jesus for a long time, and and I hope that you'll join me as we live life as sports fans, as fantasy owners who follow Jesus together. I believe in the good news that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And we really appreciate you being a part of Fantasy Football Fellowship today. This is the Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast presented by MetaShare. Go to MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. And we will talk to you next Tuesday as we get closer and closer to the start of the fantasy season, the NFL season, and uh, we'll have a little preseason action to talk about. And uh, we'll have some other kind of maybe guys that our, our perspectives have changed on, on certain players. We'll give some clarity on that and some other late-round steals to keep an eye out for. Uh, so we'll share that with you next week. Have a great one. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast presented by MetaShare. Metashare.